Hello, everybody. Welcome to Single-Minded Conversations, the very last one of the year of our Lord, or no Lord, if you're an atheist, 2022, which was uh, <laughs> sort of an interesting year. Um, I guess it was the first, like, sort of post-pandemic year, but a lot going on. Um, my New Year's resolution, I know everyone's fascinated to hear that. I need to fucking eat better it's so bad what if i'm a agnostic what's the equivalent of the year of our lord uh i think it's uh for an agnostic the year of our lord question mark in parentheses 2022 if muslim 1443 if muslim yes there's also a hebrew calendar i'm a bad jew i don't know what it is um uh my only real new year's resolution is just like eat better i make fun of my eating a lot i don't think by an american standard i eat that poorly i just eat i do eat like too many too much fucking pizza bagels it's the carbs thing so i got myself one of those air fryers you can the fact is you can make like <laughs> this is so boring but i it's been on my mind if you just buy vegetables and saute them for a while and throw in one of those udon packets, like you can have a very filling meal with some tofu that's not bad for you. It'll keep you full for a while. And I'm going to make a homemade salad dressing I saw on um, YouTube that is cilantro, garlic, Greek yogurt, tahini, which sounds amazing. So thank you for telling me it's not boring you. Um, the online thing I noticed – ooh, fried asparagus – uh, get in the queue if you have anything to say, or if you have a New Year's resolution, I'll I'll review it for you and I'll give you a probability of succeeding um, to three decimal places. The only sort of online thing I want to talk about was like I found the Andrew Tate Greta Thunberg thing interesting because um you know Andrew Tate is like one of the worst of the worst men's pickup artist types. He's just he's cartoonishly bad, and we did a segment on him. Um, Anus has joined the chat. I'm looking forward to talking to Anus. Uh, hello, Anus. The um, the his whole okay. So yeah, we did a segment on Andrew Tate during our live shows. His whole business model is to he'll just put out a video that's like this is only a slight uh, exaggeration. He'll be like, you know, women aren't people. Women should be enslaved, and it's just idiotic it's horrible it's offensive but then everyone will just dogpile him and quote retweet him and dunk on him and he really does find more followers that way and he actually at this point i don't want this to be true but he does have many millions of dollars because he started this thing called hustlers university which is a giant scam but these confused young men pay to get guidance on living their life from andrew tate and uh i just always struggle with that like that how to deal with He's a troll, but he's also influential. I just don't think being the 800th person to jump on him or dogpile him helps at all. I think you're doing that because it'll increase your, um, you know, reach online. And it'll, it'll increase your online presence. So it just, I don't know, man. Seeing everyone congratulate Thunberg about <laughs> saying he had small dick energy, which he does. I don't know. I don't think it helps. I, I also saw a ton of people claiming that, like, that interaction got him arrested by Romanian police. His place had previously been raided by the Romanian police. I haven't seen anyone, I, I meant to look into this, but I haven't seen anyone actually confirm that that is what got him arrested. Uh, in the chat, Neil said, uh, as queer is fake news, Alejandra Carabayo, who's one of these annoying people who both pretends to be anti-misinformation um, while constantly spreading misinformation, or at least unverified stuff, she stated confidently that 
that was why he got arrested. I just I have no idea if that's true, but I guess I got to look into it. We're going to talk about this on the podcast. Jamal, what's up? Any New Year's resolutions, Jamal? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm resolved to not be upset if I die or other people die or the entire human race goes extinct. Wow. Um, that's yeah, a pretty big uh, New Year's resolution. Well, I, I don't know which of those three things will happen, but whichever one it is, I'm going to be like really relaxed about it. Yeah. I'm having trouble hearing you. Can you talk closer to the mic or, I don't know, background noise or anything? I will do my best, um, but I only have the modes of mumbling and shouting. There um, we go. Whatever you're doing now is working. Now, my actual question was uh, I've read – I read an essay that uh, the guy who founded LessWrong.com posted seriously positing that it's too late to prevent um, AGI from eliminating the human race. And then I, when I was talking to one of my really smart friends in the field, um, he had the same attitude and he just sort of casually slipped that into conversation like it's just part of his world. And so I wanted to ask you if you've read anything about that or um, what your thoughts are on it. I don't really have thoughts on it because I don't know enough about artificial intelligence. I think the theory is um, it's sort of hard for me to understand now how an AI could like take over and kill us. I think that's sort of the point from their point of view is like you reach this, um, you know, this, this point where the AI is able to improve itself at an exponential rate and in theory could make copies of itself and spread itself and infiltrate other servers and destroy other programs. So um, I think it's the kind of threat that's so little understood. I have no idea what probability to assign it. And I, I can imagine that people who are very interested in AI, uh, you know, would focus on that threat in particular. I think we should, I, I read somewhere that the total number of people studying AI safety or the amount of money being put into it is like six figures or something ridiculously like that. Obviously, as this technology gets crazier and crazier and scarier, we should study it more. But I have I have no way of knowing how, how big a threat it is, to be honest. I don't – from playing around with chatbot, uh, the GPT-3 chatbot, it, it, it's not that advanced. It, it pulls off some impressive stuff. Um, of course, the question is what's, what's the real version, like the version that that company uses, the version like the U.S. government surely has access to. Uh, I – guessing they're not giving us the most advanced stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah, probably. Um, although when I, I was in the military, they never bought the really advanced stuff either, so I'm not worried about that end. Um, well, I guess if neither one of us are qualified on it, I just wanted to point out that some really smart people um, think that we're all going to die and just sort of let that hang over <clears throat> the audience for the rest of the year. I, I'm excited about that. I, I would say if I had to choose a reason for a humanity to die in the next 20 years, I would pick the field, like all the other, any of the other possibilities over artificial general intelligence. But again, I don't, who the, what do I know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot about uh, things other than this. Um, I'll let you go, but let me close out by saying that I've really enjoyed your show this year and I appreciate you uh, taking the time. Thank you, um, Jamal. I, I appreciate you listening. Have a great You too. Happy New Year. Pongo too. what's up? Hey, Happy New Year, Jesse. Happy New Year. Also appreciated your output this year. Uh, a lot of like the, I, I really, I, I, if 
I mean, if we're talking, looking back on the year, I'd probably say the stuff that I've liked best of yours has been the stuff you've done that's really been digging into the, uh, like, transgender treatment papers on like a granular level looking at the evidence directly um that's probably been the biggest value add for me so appreciate that i appreciate that um yeah my new year's resolution wasn't really a new year's resolution basically like right around the end of november i just looked on my schedule and realized nobody i hadn't been booked until like 10 a.m so uh i normally wake up at like six to start at eight but there were no patients so i basically just said fuck it i'm just gonna have a workout and felt so good afterwards that i've just been doing that every day ever since so that's probably my new year's resolution <laughs> nice yeah i um I, I live a really unhealthy lifestyle in a lot of ways but i always either run or play basketball um and i i joined a gym recently just so i can keep it up in the winter months so it's weird that's just like the one thing it's more if i don't do it i'll just know i'll go crazy but it it for folks who don't exercise, uh, it, it's the mental health uh, impact of it can, in some cases, be almost miraculous. Like if you're not exercising and you feel shitty, you absolutely should exercise, even if it's just like walking for a half hour straight. Yeah, I also own my own house for the first time this year, so I now have my own little mini gym that I can just go down to. I don't even need to take the elevator like I used to in my apartment. So that's awesome. That's a good setup. Yeah. Um, uh, as I guess you mentioned the Andrew Tate thing, I don't pay my, basically my only connection to the two online lifestyle is your podcast at this point. So I haven't been too involved in that, but, um, I will say that like the thing you mentioned about like how Andrew Tate feeds on pylons is it does sort of remind me of the way Jordan Peterson was in his prime. Um, you know, before he went totally batshit fucking insane, um, where, and, and this was for Peterson, it was sort of in reverse where you would see all these people who would just be lining up to take shots at him in order to boost their own presence. And you didn't really get the sense that he was like, I remember um, there was some kind of debate he did where he was with Stephen Fry and the opponents were, I think, Michael Eric Dyson or something. And it was so obvious that they were just the the, uh, the opponents were just there so that they could be on stage with Jordan Peterson. And like they had like dunks prep for them. They weren't even talking about what the actual issue was. Right. Um, and there were like, you know, series of op-eds and stuff. I, I think that, I mean, I know you like Nelly Bowles, but I think I would put the Nelly Bowles op-ed in that category where it was just like, because he was the established enemy, there were, there was like a whole class of people lining up to take shots at him. So they could be the one who took a shot at Jordan Peterson. Yeah. I'm curious. I don't know if anyone's ever asked her about how she feels about that now. It'd be interesting to revisit because I know she's evolved on um, uh, a lot of Peterson adjacent issues. Yeah. And I mean... Peterson wasn't, obviously, he, he also wasn't as fucking, like, batshit or corrupt as Andrew Tate is. At least he, he wasn't at that time. I haven't looked into him in a while. He there's no there's no comparison. Like, yeah. I, like if, if Peterson's gone crazy, but based on the half of it I read uh, before I got I mean, bored. Excuse me. I, like, if, if a young person read 12 Rules for Life, it's like, whatever. I wouldn't want a young person anywhere near Andrew Tate. Right. But well, Peterson has gone crazy. But when we say he's gone crazy, I think we can say we literally mean he has gone crazy. He is mentally ill. He's had a he's had a mental break. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, somewhat understandably, given some of the processes I just talked about. But anyway, it's sad. Uh, More it's very you. sad. Um, yeah. But yeah, Happy New Year and uh, yeah. congratulations yeah. on the new gym habit. Thank you. Anus, what's up? What's up? Hello? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? All right, yeah. I can. How's it going? Um, so I was going to ask a question about um, Google, 
so uh, in November 2019, Markiplier uh, had a case where a bunch of people were spamming his chat with hearts. Uh, users got locked out of their YouTube accounts, which meant they were locked out of Gmail. Uh, in October 2020, a Google engineer had his husband's account disabled. Uh, this meant that their life was just in shambles. You know, you have everything tied to your Google account. So these people were just screwed. And even though this guy's husband was a Google engineer, he escalated it as far as he could. He got nowhere. The Terraria developer was developing a game for Stadia. He got locked out for three weeks. He couldn't get his account back. And basically what I'm getting to here is why are you different? Why, why do you not like have your own email host? Like why do you not own your own domain? Like how screwed would you be if you lost access to your Gmail account? Uh, exceptionally, it's probably a good thing to think about. I, I will say I have not, um, I don't know about the incident you're referring to. I, I don't know a lot of incidents of people getting locked out of their actual Gmail accounts. It, it seems like this story notwithstanding that that's a move Google is leery of taking for like understandable business reasons. Well, there was also another case in um, August where a man took a picture of his son's penis for uh, the doctor during COVID. Uh, he had his account locked, which was sort of understandable because yeah. there was uh, like child, what, what could kid, be considered as child. Kid, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but then there was a law enforcement investigation and he was cleared of everything and Google still wouldn't give him his account back. And it, it seems like such a vulnerable position to leave yourself in. Like just professionally, yeah. Um, I think that's I should I should figure out that would be smart for me to not uh, be reliant on Google, I, which I had honestly to my shame I hadn't even thought about. I mean, I do basic security stuff like two FA, but um, yeah, no, I think that's worth me thinking about. I appreciate you raising that issue. Yeah, of course. Uh, I was just sort of wondering if you had uh, heard any cases of uh, anyone in like the journalist space uh, experiencing something like this, but it seems not. <laughs> No, if a journalist had gotten locked out of their Gmail, that would be major news and we would have heard about it. But I, yeah, I have not heard of any such cases. That would be, that would be bad. But yeah, no, that, that was just, uh, that was just all I was looking to chat about. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you, Anus. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Happy, happy New Year, Anus. Neil, what's up? Hey, Jesse. Happy New Year. So I want to ask about the, this is from like a few weeks ago, but it was like a two-part thing. So it was like the Yol Roth, like cancellation, because there was initially the, tweet that they found about the story right and then his his like his tweet was like is it ever like can minor or like can students ever meaningfully consent to sex with their teachers right which which on its face i think is actually an interesting question well he was tweeting this is yoel roth the the, sorry i'll just explain for everyone else briefly this is the former head of twitter trust and safety whatever whatever um and yeah uh um Elon Musk sort of helped bring down a bunch of harassment on him in part because he tweeted, he was just tweeting the headline of a salon story, which was something like, is it ever ethical for a student, a teacher have sex with their student, which everyone freaked out about without reading the piece, which was like creepy, but it was about uh, an 18 year old, a legal adult having sex with their teacher, which is not good, but it's just not as bad as I think people assume based solely on the headline. Sorry, go ahead, Neil. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to ask about. And Elon didn't tweet about that tweet. He only tweeted about the PhD thesis, right? He didn't tweet about um, the Yeah, the, and the PhD thesis also, I thought, was a little bit out of context because it was like, wh- whatever, this is a PhD thesis from like a decade ago, but he was making sort of a harm reduction argument saying like teenagers are already on Grindr um, and saying it it wouldn't be useful to try to just bar them from it wholesale, which like 
people can disagree with, but it's just not, if you're uh, familiar with the language of harm reduction, it's not that unusual to make arguments like that. Yeah. I, I like totally disagree. I was going to get to that. That was the second part where I think that's like a totally consequentialist argument that I like just completely disagree with. It's like a, it's like, you're like giving, a, I, I, I'm a moral absolutist anyway. So it's like a, you definitely should not. I think you concede that that teens are going to be on Grinder and other hookup apps. I feel like that's a yeah. Whole I, 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 look, if someone wrong. thinks no, I think the best uh, the best approach should be Grinder says we ban kids under this age and we'll keep them off. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just I don't think it's like that clear cut. Maybe. Yeah, I just I think most people, including myself, see like the the better solution as just like ID verification. Which are there ways around ID ver- verification? I was thinking about this. I feel like they're there isn't right like how if you like actually get a real person's id like how do you how would you cheat that as a kid unless you're like stealing it from your parents or whatever like i don't know yeah i don't i don't know much about that to be honest yeah but i but i feel like that's like such an obvious better solution than just like letting kids on because then the other argument is if if you have like a kid only section of grinder or whatever because you've accepted that they're going to be there then obviously there are going to be adults that then pretend to be kids that then go to that so it's like yeah, I just definitely yeah. Like it seems like if you're really, gonna, really if you're bad, gonna really take bad this idea. approach, you'd have to be very careful about it because otherwise, some bad stuff could obviously happen. But but back to the initial the initial uh, tweet about this story, where it was yeah, it was an 18 year old, and then the the uh, this the teacher got in trouble because um, Washington has a like clause where if they're a student, it doesn't matter their age that then it's like illegal. And so I wanted to ask about. So I understand firing the teacher because obviously that's like a huge breach or whatever. Fire the teacher. But, but should it be like criminally illegal, right? If the person's an adult, right? And had they not been a student, it would have been totally illegal. But because just because they're a student, just because of the power dynamic or um, perceived power dynamic, then it's, it's criminal for them to have sex. I thought that was an interesting. I wonder what you thought about that. I, I think it should definitely be illegal. Um, you could may, maybe if you want, you could make an exception because like some people don't graduate high school till later. If there's a, I don't know, 20 year old high school senior who sleeps with a 26 year old teacher. I don't care, but I, I think well, why would it matter if they were 20, if they're above, the I don't age, know. There's just like a certain that? age at which I wouldn't be comfortable legislating people's like sexual consensual sexual behavior. But yeah, I think it, I think it should be illegal for a teacher to uh, have sex with their student. I'm not saying they should go to jail forever, but it also like, if it's illegal, then that just makes it easier. Cause they can say, I can't do this. Call, call me the yeah, day after you graduate. <laughs> That's, yeah, no, exactly. That's like that. Just wait. That's exactly that's that's my point. It's like in anime, it's always like wait until graduation, then then they like go for it. It's like the so. I think we should build our laws around um, anime subplots involving <laughs> large-eyed young yeah, women. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was the the two-part question. All right. You know, go. Someone in the chat just said they hate moral absolutists. So go argue with that person. Well, th- you're wrong. Utilitarianism sucks. <laughs> well, hash it out in the chat. I'm sure you guys will get to the bottom of this. Happy New Year, Neil. Yeah. Right. What is up? Hey, Jesse, how's it going? Good, good, how are you? Not too bad. Um, I'm going to take a, take us all back a couple of months. I had a daughter recently, so I'm getting caught up on your podcast. And I just uh, hit that episode with the Malagasy clay eaters. Yeah. <laughs> Which, wow. <laughs> but uh, basically, I was kind of curious. I had a few thoughts. One was like, you know, we always talk about internet subcultures. I think we use that term really loosely. But it seems in that case, that is actually like a completely alien culture that's developed. Like, I feel like if you dropped me off in 17th century France, I'd know more how to talk to those people than I would to whatever that kid's name was. Yeah. So just to fill in everyone else, the Malagasy clay eaters are this like online 
clique of bullies, basically, and they they um, are followers of a YouTuber named um, I'm I'm forgetting his name. I was deep in this a few months ago, but it, his shtick, the YouTubers, is he makes fun of dead people. Like if a famous YouTuber dies, he will make fun of them and call them a pedophile and stuff. And it's just really gonzo sarcastic humor. Um, so. There are these just like roving gangs of discord youth, uh, just like bull- finding other kids their age and bullying them and impersonating people. And just like, it gets to a level that's like truly sociopathic, even by the standards of the internet. <laughs> I just made me think you watched 30 rock, right? Yeah. Remember that episode where they're in downtown and it's night and they go, Oh no, youths. <laughs> <laughs> youths. Yeah, exactly. That was how uh, I felt when I was working on that, that piece. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, what I was kind of thinking about during it was like, obviously, I mean, these kids are super maladjusted and, you know, it's, it's bad. And I think hanging out in these cliques has, a, you know, goes along with that. But I mean, when you're talking about the kid, it's obvious that like without the internet and these cliques, he's not just going to go to school and be a popular, normal kid. No. Right. Um, so, and maybe there isn't a solution, but what I was wondering is how, cause you know, kids like that do need a space to gather and maybe find other, you know, outcasts, but how do you create a healthy version of that culture where people like this Teddy kid, I think was his name, you know, can go and find a space to belong, but it doesn't turn into, you know, something that horrible. Yeah. No, that's an interesting question because I think one of the things a lot of us hoped for when the internet first popped off was like, you know, if you're lonely or you're a member of a marginalized group, you can find other people like you and feel less alone. But it seems like a lot of uh, communities emerge that sort of stoke the like the worst impulses of people who are victims and bullies. Like they don't like heal them, but just make them worse or twist them. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really know the answer to that, especially when you think about like I could barely follow what was going on in these Discord servers, and I'm not that old, and I did mostly grew up online i don't know how an adult could start to influence what you know 12 year olds who are making throwaway accounts and jumping from server to server and all that what they're doing it it seems pretty hopeless to be honest yeah yeah because then everyone kind of just says we need to shut it down but like i said i feel like i mean these kids aren't going to be suddenly well adjusted you know in the mainstream oh yeah i mean i don't even i don't even know what that would mean by shut it down are they you're gonna revoke their internet access it doesn't seem realistic i mean i will say it's probably hard. I don't have kids. If you have kids, because there's so much like peer pressure, I would obviously be in favor of keeping them offline and off social media, at least um, in non-controlled yeah. settings until as late in childhood as possible. Yeah, luckily I got a couple of years before I got to worry about that. Nice. <laughs> but um, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that. It's. Kind of, I know it's kind of a broad question so no i just feel hopeless about it like i think there's very little we can do to exert uh influence on kids behavior online unfortunately oh that's unfortunate well depressing new year to you as well depressing new year to you right <laughs> all right talk to you later ethan what is up ethan's whose name is at tall psychology hey jesse um hey, i just wanted to start by complimenting you on the quick fix i really liked it um thank you i'm a consumer psychology phd student and you know, I, I think I have more knowledge than the average layperson about some of the stuff you talked about. But even then, I still learn a lot about the different subjects that you were talking about. Um, and I liked it so much, I was giving it as a Christmas gift to some people. I gave it to my dad, who really liked it. He does medical research, and even he really liked reading about, you know, kind of controversies in the psychology world. 
Um, I was just wondering if you ever thought you would write another book. Um, and if you were to, what sort of topics you might cover? Um, yeah, I think it's a, a possibility. I mean, it would just depend on like coming up with the right idea. Obviously, I've really written a lot about like the youth gender medicine fight, which is getting more mainstream. Um, I, and I think there's like, I don't know. I don't know how big a scandal it is. And I'm obviously very critical of like right wing attempts to ban youth gender medicine. But when you look at the confidence with which folks with impressive letters after their names and institutional affiliations, like the confidence with which they're saying, yeah, these treatments are great. They save kids' lives. They have such, they lead to such good outcomes. And then you look at the actual data, it, it sort of feels like a burgeoning medical scandal to me, like setting aside all the other culture war and philosophical debates about, you know, gender dysphoria, gender identity, it just seems like there's a big story there. And I, I don't think it's gotten smaller since I uh, wrote like a very long magazine article about it in 2018. So um, that would be an obvious candidate, the most obvious candidate um, because I'm a masochist. But yeah, I mean, I'm also really interested in just like how we talk about race and identity and and America's turn sort of away from the ideal of colorblindness and toward in progressive spaces, at least like inserting fundamentally superficial identity characteristics into everything. I think that's gone really poorly. I don't know if there's a book there, but that's like just another subject I'm really curious about. Awesome. Well, thanks so much and have a great new year. Thank you, Ethan. Um, Neil, I'm skipping you for now to get to Andrew because he hasn't been on yet. Then I'll get to Neil. What's up, Andrew? Hey, Jesse, can I uh, um, explain a somewhat terrifying chat GPT experiment that I ran? Sure. So. I think the problem with it right now isn't really how intelligent it is, quote unquote, but how much data it has access to in a dynamic setting. So if you ask a question of ChatGPT, but then also say, what would be a good Google search to to execute to find information about this subject um, as kind of the prompt, then execute that Google search then strip out the first couple pages of results or the first however many characters it is. And I, I just did this manually, by the way, um, but I, I'm going to try to write uh, like a shell that would do it. Then return it back into the prompt and say, use this as context to answer the original prompt. It gets shockingly more intelligent. <laughs> Wait, sorry, I want to make sure I'm getting this. It gets more intelligent if you remove the first couple pages of results? No, no. So, so basically what you're doing is you're, you're taking some back steps. So like, imagine if you had, you know, a, um, kind of like a shell yeah. that contained chat, the chat GPT API and the Google API. Yeah. And that you use chat GPT to create its own prompts to Google search the questions that you asked chat GPT gotcha. and then go take in those results as part of the context when answering the question. Oh, so you're, you're sorry, you're asking GPT-3 to Google stuff, basically. Yes, to, to write its own Google prompts to assist it with answering the original prompt. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, so that allows it to sort of... Um, uh... Yeah, because I was, I was thinking like, okay, so sometimes it, it has these kind of delusional realities that it enters into. Yeah. Because it doesn't have any contact with, with the real world, right? So I was thinking, how could you give it contact with the real world? Like, how could you engineer the prompts and then pass things around, you know, in, in the back. Because I think of intelligent systems as agents, um, not just uh, 
one single thing that you're executing, but it's an agent acting under some context. Yeah. And, and when I did that, I, I was able to get it to like program things way better. Um, oh, interesting. If there's any examples of that you have that someone like me would inv- uh, understand, like that don't involve programming, um, I'd be curious to see, like, see this in action because it sounds very interesting. Yeah, I, I, I've been so busy watching my son. I haven't had time to do it except like just to manually enter the prompts. But I know that you can do it using the chat GPT API and the Google API. And I'm going to see if I can't write that over the next month or so. And okay. I'd like you to challenge me to do that as my New Year's resolution. I challenge you to do that as your New Year's. I hereby, with the power vested in me by David Sachs, uh, challenge yeah. you to do that for New Year's resolution. All right, I'll do it. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, those, those negotiations went well. Yeah, no, that sounds really interesting. I'll be curious to see what you come up with. All right, that was all I had. Cool. Thank you, Andrew. All right, Neil 2.0, what's up? Sorry, I, I forgot like the most important part of why I objected to the uh, Yul Roth thesis was that this one line. So he says, rather than merely trying to absolve themselves of legal responsibility, right, talking about like uh, Tinder, right, and Tinder trying to, right. uh, rather than try to absolve themselves of legal responsibility or worse, trying to drive out teenagers entirely, service providers should instead blah, blah, blah. So it's the or worse, right? So clearly he's he's referring to trying to drive out teenagers entirely as like a a negative thing that should not be attempted, which I think is like. Yeah. I think we said on the podcast that that, that part of the phrasing was like the one part where Katie and I uh, were a little bit like, huh, what does he mean by that? So I think that's like, like a hundred percent objection. I think, I think like, like aside from the disagreeing with harm reduction is that, is that, is that, is the or worse. I think it's like hundred percent objection. Anyway. So that, that was the one to add that in. That's a fair point. Fair point. Neil. I appreciate it. Jamal, and then if no one else jumps in the queue, that will be it. What's up, Jamal? Again. Well, uh, we started the show talking about um, the end of the world. I just wanted to point out that I'm pretty sure it's going to happen from somebody, from you know, people who decide to just go to a get a hold of an AI and screw around with shell scripts in Google. Um, oh, so like the guy who just called uh, Andrew was right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, if he's still here, I don't want to uh, make jokes about someone um, that's not to their face. But I, I think I could do a good, solid three to four minutes on how he's uh, on how it, he's someone who's going to bring the human race to an end. He already used it to make a pathogen optimizer. He said, which I assume is a joke. There was that scary story of that. Uh, I guess a machine learning algorithm that had been programmed to find molecules that potentially help people. They change like one line of it uh, to be like, instead of help people, why don't you hurt them? And it came up with like uh, novel potent new neurotoxins and stuff. So I find this stuff completely terrifying and I semi defend my decision to not think about it because it is so beyond my areas of expertise and it feels like there's so little I can do about it. I just don't know what to ha- how to handle this sort of like long tail technological risk type of thing. Well, if the AIs keep us alive, um, it's pro- probably because they're taking care of us the way we take care of domestic animals. So I think it's really important that uh, Katie finish uh, moose nuggets. So <laughs> I mean, that's the other thing is like, it's just so hard to know, like how there'll be a line and program. Like, I don't know. It, you could, it's not hard, impossible to imagine something 
much more benevolent than than being like a Terminator, like a Skynet type deal. They could just decide that they get some intrinsic pleasure from keeping us healthy or that they view us as their like sort of primitive father figure. It's very weird to think about because you just like even just chatting with GPT-3, which will eventually be Stone Age technology. It's just like I, I can't even understand this thing's thought process. You're you're talking to a being that just has like – I mean it's not a being but to a program uh, with different programming. It's just a very weird experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an interesting thought. Um, tell Katie if I joke about loose nuggets. That was good. Um, have a happy new year. Thank you, Jamal. Happy New Year to Jamal. Happy New Year to everyone else. Uh, yeah, eat well, get exercise. Uh, I um, I don't want to. It's funny. I uh, feel the social pressure. I I don't. I kind of want to just like not do anything tonight. I'm not yet at a phase in life where that won't feel weird, just because like New Year's Eve was always like the time you did stuff. But I hope some of you have the courage to just do what many of us want to do and stay home and eat five bowls of your favorite ice cream. Or for me, it would be like a whole pizza. But um, whatever you're doing tonight, I hope you have a good time. And I hope 2023 is a little bit better than 2022, however good your 2022 was. So thank you guys for listening. As always, I would just ask you to spread the word about the show if you enjoy what I'm doing here. And uh, yeah, check out my other stuff, Blocked and Reported, and Single Mind, my newsletter, jessysingle.substack.com. Anus, thank you. You take care as well. Yes, make ice cream. That's a good way to spend the night. All right. Goodbye, everybody.